This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome back James Kaplan to the program. How are you doing, Mr. Kaplan? Very well, Bob. James Kaplan is an attorney, a writer, and a walking tour historian who's the president and one of the founders of the Lower Manhattan Historical Association. The topic today is the history of Manhattan's first synagogue, North America's first synagogue, the Mill Street Synagogue. How did you become interested in this topic? Well, I'd uh, given walking tours of Lower Manhattan for many years, since 1981, and uh, perhaps because of that, I was asked by the uh, Sheriff Israel League, a friend of mine named Ernest Grunebaum in 2004, to give a walking tour in honor of the 350th anniversary of the uh, congregation Sheriff Israel. Uh, Mm -hmm. As a result of that, I realized that even though I had given tours of Lower Manhattan and thought I knew a lot about it, and tours of uh, other areas such as uh, Hell's Kitchen in Harlem, where I'd studied the history of the Irish and the Jews in America and and the uh, blacks in America, I really didn't know that much about the early history of the Jews and how the Jewish uh, community came to be what it is in New York and the country. And uh, it was quite an eye-opener. Uh, one thing that I noticed is that I was immediately struck by was the very similarities between the Jewish experience, the Irish experience, and the black experience, both as uh, minority groups uh, uh, fighting for their position in, in, the, in New York. And uh, it, it was uh, uh, very instructive. And what I also realized was that even though I was of Jewish background and uh, not a particularly religious Jewish family, uh, I, I really didn't know a lot of mm-hmm. the history of the Jews in in New York, and I think most other Jews don't. So mm-hmm. anyhow, so this uh, pioneer synagogue was when was it constructed? It was constructed in 1730. The original uh, uh, congregation or Sheriff Israel congregation came to New York in 1654, which was uh, uh, you know obviously it was one of the earliest ethnic groups to come. Uh, uh, the New York and New Amsterdam had about a thousand people, and they were fleeing uh, from uh, Recife, Brazil, which was the largest, one of the largest Jewish communities in the New World at the time. When the, uh, which was then under the control of the Dutch, but was taken over after a long siege by the Portuguese, and the Portuguese meant uh, that meant that the Inquisition was coming. So. The Jews basically had to leave. Uh, the original synagogue, the Charith Israel Synagogue, uh, language was actually Portuguese. It's sometimes called the Spanish and Portuguese uh, synagogue. Uh, so uh, uh, when they got to New York, they were, uh, uh, firstly, there were 15 ships that went to, uh, uh, were, go to various Protestant ports, such as Amsterdam, London, uh, Curacao, etc., and one went off course in a storm and was captured by pirates and then was recaptured by a French uh, privateer who uh, essentially saved their mm-hmm. lives but brought them to New Amsterdam, which was a thousand miles away, and said that they uh, uh, would have to pay him three times the standard uh, passage for such a voyage, which they may mm-hmm. or may not, they didn't have particularly, although he felt they would be able to get it. Uh, uh, and uh, so they, they were able to, the townspeople here in New Amsterdam were, were, were 
sympathetic to them, uh, them being, many of them being from uh, minority groups themselves. And uh, they suggest that they apply to uh, uh, the Dutch West India Company board in Amsterdam, uh, which was also much more sympathetic. They had fought for the Dutch interests in the, uh, in the, uh, Recife, and they and there were Jews on the board of the Dutch West India Company. Mm-hmm. So basically, they were they they told the uh, well the, the Duch governor was Peter Stuyvesant, and he had told them they would have to leave. He was a violent anti-Semite, and uh, uh, but the, the Dutch West India Board said to them that they could. That if as long as they didn't uh, 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 weren't a public charge and they didn't worship openly, they could stay. So after all that, that was the origin of the the Jewish community in New York. It's mm. called Sharath Israel, which was the uh, remnants of Israel. Well, that's what that means. Yeah, Re- remnants yeah. of Israel. So, so they were, uh, uh, and they integrated more or less with the other ethnic groups over the last uh, uh, seven, next 70 years. So uh, there was probably New York may have had a population of 10,000 by 1730 when the first synagogue was built. And they were, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a respected part of the community. Uh, by that time, they were permitted to worship openly. This was under the British. And uh, they bought a plot on what today is South William Street to construct the first synagogue in 1730. I mean, that's a long way of telling yeah. uh, how it got there. So, uh, And that was quite an important event, because this meant that this would be the first Jewish synagogue in North America, and it was supported by uh, Jewish, largely Sephardic Jewish uh, congregations throughout the world, gave uh, each put up or contributed money, and that established the first synagogue in North America. Uh, many people today think the first synagogue was the Toro Synagogue in Newport, Rhode Island. But yeah, I, I guess I'm one of them, I and mean, that's the old synagogue that I think of, the one in Rhode Island. Yeah, well, that's still standing. I mean, that was built in 1765, which was about 35 years later. Uh, but that uh, uh, the the Mill Street Synagogue was torn down in the 1820s. So uh, so many people think of that as the original synagogue because it was uh, in uh, 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 in um, Rhode Island uh, because it's still standing. Okay. I mean, it's still standing, so it's still uh, there. Uh, you know, obviously the Mill Street Synagogue is long since gone. Uh, but I think the Mill Street Synagogue was critical, critical to the development of uh, uh, the Jewish community in New York City, and obviously a very important part mm-hmm. of New York City. And it's, they, it was called the Mill Street Synagogue, but that today is South William Street, I believe 26 South William Street. What's there today? Uh, there's an icon parking garage. Uh, there's no reference to the fact that the first synagogue in North America stood there. Uh, and uh, I think very few people in Lower Manhattan, or very few people, Jewish people in the in New York City, know that that was the site of the first synagogue in the, in North America. And obviously, our effort as the on the, the Lower Manhattan Historical Association is to uh, educate people and mark sites that are not known to 
many New Yorkers that are quite important historically. Mm. So you're working on that. We'll maybe ask you about that a, a bit later, but more on the d- development of that uh, congregation uh, in Lower Manhattan. There were at least two important religious leaders that uh, uh, came out of there, um, Gershom Mendes Sexus, or how Sices, do you pronounce Sices, that? Sices. Sices. Yes, uh, Gershom Mendes Sixtus was really, in a sense, uh, the first uh, great American Jewish uh, religious leader. He wasn't actually a rabbi. He was what was called the Hassan. There wasn't, there weren't formal rabbis uh, in the United States until the 1840s or 50s. But he was uh, born in New York. He was from the uh, Sephardic background, and uh, uh, he was, uh, uh, you know, he's, as a young man, he studied. Uh, Jewish liturgy, and essentially, even from his 20s, became uh, really the spiritual uh, leader of the congregation. Uh, uh, during the, uh, and he lasted, he was there until his death in about the 18, 1810s or 1800s. Uh, uh, his, uh, one of his primary roles was that during the American Revolution, he led the congregation out of New York City when the British took over in 1776, and they were um, militantly in favor of the Patriot cause. And I think that was very important, and in a sense to this day is very important to the Jewish community. I think people don't realize that uh, the overwhelming majority of Jews living in the United States at the time supported the Revolution and supported George Washington, and, and fought in the revolution, and that, of course, would have uh, implications later on for their acceptance mm-hmm. in the new United States. Uh, and Sisius really was the, the leader of the community. He first went to Stratford, Connecticut, after the British took over, and then went to Philadelphia, where he was one of the leading figures in uh, Mikvah Israel, which was the, the, the nascent uh, uh, a Jewish synagogue in Philadelphia, and was, uh, and then came back to New York in 1783. Uh, he was uh, one of the clergymen who swore in George Washington as the first president of the United States in 1789 in New York, which was very unusual that someone of a Jewish uh, uh, clergyman should be part of that ceremony at the time. Uh, he was a trustee of uh, Columbia University, where there's still a Sisius society. Mm-hmm. So he really, in a sense, set the tone for the Jewish community in uh, uh, in New York City and in the United States. And he was a great believer that the Jews should integrate and actively participate in the civic life of the the city. Uh, uh, his attitude, uh, like, uh, was that. Uh, you know, this is this country has been very good to us with its religious freedom, and we have a much more mm-hmm. uh, 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 we're much more integrated here than we have been in Europe, and and we owe the the uh, owe it to the country to support it. We're talking with uh, James Kaplan of the Lower Manhattan uh, Historical Association. Another. Um, cause that Sykes was involved in was in getting George Washington to issue the famous Newport letter in uh, in Rhode Island, which promised the new government would not persecute Jews. Yes. Uh, right after the revolution, 
Uh, I mean, the Jewish uh, position was always, had been very tenuous throughout Europe and throughout history. There were periods during which, uh, you know, there would be elements of tolerance, uh, say, in in Germany and France, and then there would be cutbacks, and, and uh, there'd be, uh, or in, in Poland, and uh, uh, so, so he was very concerned, as were many Jews, that, uh, you know, we might be uh, accepted today, but not tomorrow. And he wanted a specific statement from the leader of the country, George Washington, as to what the position of the Jews was. Now, Washington, uh, many of the founding fathers were very familiar with the contribution that the Jewish community had made to the uh, uh, Revolutionary War effort, both as soldiers. Also, Chaim Solomon had been a, uh, uh, who was a member of the Sheriff Israel congregation, had been an important financier of the revolution at the end. Uh, so, just wanted to, with the other Sephardic congregations in the in the in the country, uh, uh, wanted to uh, have a uh, uh, a specific statement that uh, you know as to what their position was. And that, uh, uh, now, um, his brother uh, Moses Sicius was actually the sexton up in the Newport, Rhode Island. So. It was on a ceremonial visit in 1790. It was not long in coming. Uh, Washington was inaugurated in 1789. That uh, Washington uh, spoke to the Jewish community at the Toro Synagogue, but he was really speaking to all the Jewish communities and really to all minorities in the country. And he said, the United States is going to be different from other places uh, that sometimes speak of tolerance, but... uh, may not practice it. As far as we are concerned, the United States will give to bigotry no sanction, to persecution no assistance. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, you know, as long as you comport yourself, uh, you don't have to worry about religious discrimination. Now, uh, you know, that wasn't fully uh, followed throughout the United States or throughout history, but as far as the federal government was concerned, and as far as George Washington was concerned, this is the law of the land. This is our policy. Mm-hmm. And I think the policy of tolerance, I think, has been very important throughout our history. Mm-hmm. And it stems from the, 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 the so-called Newport Letter, which was issued in August of 1790, uh, you know, as an official statement of at least George Washington as the founder of the country's view of who we should be about. And that, of course, has been quite important to the Jewish community and I think to most minority communities. Mm-hmm. We're talking with James Kaplan of the Lower Manhattan Historical Association about early Jewish history in uh, New York City, if you will, or specifically in Manhattan. We'll be back with him in just a moment. You're listening to The Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. We do have a GoFundMe campaign underway again. Uh, in this uh, year 2019, uh, you can go to gofundme.com forward slash 2019 The Historians if you want to make a donation online. If you'd rather make a donation uh, through the mail, you can make out a check to me, Bob Cudmore, and send it to Bob Cudmore at 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. And thank you very much. James Kaplan of the Lower Manhattan Historical Association telling us about uh, early Jewish history in America 
and also uh, efforts to uh, publicly recognize the first synagogue in North America, which was constructed in 1730 in Mill, on Mill Street in Lower Manhattan, the Mill Street Synagogue that now is called 26 uh, South uh, William Street. Uh, we were uh, following along with uh, stories about one of the early religious leaders of, of that uh, synagogue. And there's yet another, another important early American Jewish leader affiliated with the Mill Street Synagogue, and that was Mordecai Noah. Can you tell us about him? Yes, Mordecai Noah was really more of a lay uh, political leader. Uh, uh, he was a writer and politician, not so much a, a, a clergyman. Um, but he uh, came to prominence. He was he was born about forty years after Asisius in the uh, in the in the seventeen eighty six, and uh, 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 he was. Uh, um, he was uh, started off as uh, actually a politician in uh, uh, in um, Pennsylvania. Uh, he was a, a young, uh, uh, up and coming uh, guy, and and at one point, uh, the Jewish community in what might be considered a kind of an ethnic politics of the day uh, promoted him to be uh, for a, a position in the State Department, and uh, uh, he. Uh, uh, asked to be or was appointed the uh, consul to Tunisia, which was an important position. Uh, uh, it may not have paid much, but I think the, the possibilities of uh, commercial uh, development in the future were quite a bit. And uh, uh, what happened was the uh, government of Tunisia had uh, seized an American ship of uh, the. Uh, uh, it was uh, early when the Barbary somebody was going to attacked the Barbary pirates. There were certain hostages there. And uh, then, as now, the American position was that we will not pay a penny in ransom for mm-hmm. uh, But uh, secretly, uh, uh, President Madison and the Madison administration had authorized Noah to pay $3,000 uh, a man for uh, to get the... Uh, hostages out, for which, of course, there was great pressure. So the, um, in essence, the, the fact that he was authorized to pay a ransom leaked out. He wasn't, uh, uh, and he, you might say that he botched the job. Uh, uh, he was authorized to, uh, uh, and uh, uh, President Madison, for, for possibly good reasons, uh, they decided to fire him. Uh, hmm. So uh, the, the, they didn't want to admit that the reason they would fire him was that he hadn't he had uh, failed in his position to pay ransom money, which was, of course, against the American policy. But uh, but they said that the reason they were firing him was that they decided that people of the Jewish persuasion were not appropriate to be diplomats. Mm. Now, now, that certainly didn't go over too well with the Jewish community. I don't know whose idea that was. But uh, right. uh, so... Uh, so Noah became kind of a, you might say, a local, and he he certainly didn't want to uh, emphasize why he'd really been relieved, uh, but rather that uh, that uh, he was being persecuted. So uh, so he became kind of a local hero, you might say, with uh, the Jewish community, and later was asked around that time or a little after to uh, uh, speak at the consecration, uh, uh, give the consecration address at the rededication of the. Mill Street Synagogue. I might say the Mill Street, by this time, the Mill Street Synagogue had really uh, 
been the, become, in a sense, outmoded because it was not in a residential district, and there was a lot of thinking that it should be moved to the village or someplace closer to the residences. But uh, there was a great uh, emotional attachment to it, and uh, therefore they decided to rebuild it. And uh, Noah gave the uh, consecration address, which really addressed what, in his view, was the position of Jews in America at the time, which was that, uh, really following Seitz's theory, that Jews should fully participate in American life, in American civic life, and that they uh, had a duty, because of the benefits that the United States had given them of religious freedom, to stand up for the country. And, uh, uh, and thus Noah thereafter really became recognized, at least among uh, non-Jews, as the, the spokesman for Jewish interests in America. And, uh, you know, he was a, he uh, later ran, he was a Tammany Hall politician. He ran for sheriff, and actually there was a very bitter anti-Semitic campaign, which uh, he lost. Uh, uh, but he had a lot of interesting ideas. He One of his ideas was that uh, there should be a Jewish state. Uh, he thought it should be up by Buffalo at the heat mouth really? of the Erie Canal, which he was trying to develop. Other people thought it was a land attempt to land development for his benefit. But, uh, but uh, you know, that would later be the forerunner. Later he uh, thought it should be in Palestine, and really, in many ways, is the proto-Zionist, the forerunner of the state of Israel. Uh, he also was uh, active in uh, the 1840s in attempts by the American Jewish community with others in Europe to uh, uh, fight the... Uh, 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 attempts to execute Jews in Syria for uh, supposedly having uh, killed Christian children uh, uh, were brought up on trumped-up charges. And uh, the uh, U.S. government did try protest to the Syrian government that this anti-Semitism was contrary to American policy. It was going to it later. The Syrian government backed down. So mm. that was the origin in many ways of attempts by Jews in the United States to defend the rights of Jews elsewhere in the world, which would become more, much more important in the 20th century, including in the founding of the State of Israel. We're talking with uh, James Kaplan, the Lower Manhattan Historical Association. Uh, we have about uh, six minutes left. I want to get uh, back, if we can, to the uh, synagogue itself, that the Mill Street Synagogue that uh, was built in uh, the 1730, and it was torn down or when was it torn down and uh... around 1829 i think uh, what happened was uh uh it was considered the the area around uh south william street was uh, basically a completely commercial district which it was actually until very recently like in the last 10 or 15 years so uh uh so it, it was a, a new synagogue was built on crosby street and then in the village and then ultimately this synagogue migrated up to its current home on 71st and Central Park West. Mm -hmm. That congregation still exists then? Yes, yes, right. yes, yes, it still exists. Uh, until the 1820s, it was the only Jewish congregation in New York. Uh, and there were then there were certain what you might call break-off congregations uh, for uh, what the reform movement, which later became very powerful in the, in the late 19th century. Uh, in the early 20th century. It was always, a, it always was and is a, what you might call an Orthodox synagogue today. 
Mm-hmm. And right now you're involved, and I believe your organization's involved in, in efforts to create some recognition for the Mill Street Synagogue. What, what do you have in mind? Well, we've gotten the city council on December 20th uh, passed an ordinance naming the area, co-naming, I should say, the area on South William Street as uh, Mill Street Synagogue Sisius Way. And I think that'll be helpful. Uh, We had previously gotten uh, uh, Evacuation Day Plaza, which is about a block away named. I think that it's a great program because it it will tell people that, that this is where... This was an important place, and this is where the Mill Street Synagogue, which most people have never heard of, was. I, uh, uh, so I think it's a very important part of the educate of our mission to educate people in Lower Manhattan and throughout the city as to uh, the history of the city, which they may not know. Uh, we, we will probably be having a dedication ceremony sometime uh, uh, in May. The mayor still has to sign the bill, which will happen hopefully this month or next. Um, but there, there, there was some opposition because there are many different co-namings of streets these days in in New York, which I think is a good thing. But uh, you know, uh, some people think it's gotten out of hand. But I certainly don't think this has. Mm. Why getting out of hand? What difference does it make? Is it people get confused by the new name? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, frequently if you go walk around Midtown, you'll see a, you know. A, uh, Jerry Orbach Way, Al Jolson Way, uh, different, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Samuel Battle Way, and, and people sometimes think it's, <coughs> you know, it, it's too much. Uh, I, I personally don't, but, you know, that's, there is, there was some opposition to us in the, uh, the process, and the community board, the process by which you get a street named is you have to apply to the community planning board. You know, you usually go before their land use committee, then the full board, and the full board recommends it to the council member. Or the council member in Lower Manhattan, Margaret Chitton, has been very supportive of the effort, and uh, and then the city council approves it. So then it's, but at some point you're hoping that uh, if people want to see this site, I mean, it's not the synagogue, but uh, you go on South William Street and there'll there'll be a marker or a plaque or something like that? There'll be a street sign. Uh, We hope to have a plaque uh, possibly on the uh, parking garage. The owner, uh, Mandy Braun, has been supportive of, uh, 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 you know, that that would say that this was the site of the first synagogue and this was where Gershom and the Sisius. We also, uh, every July 4th, as part of our July 4th celebrations, we now have a reading of the Newport letter in front of Francis Tavern, which is just a block away. The Sons of the Revolution is one of our important supporters in this effort. And, uh, 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 you know, we think it will uh, uh, hopefully raise consciousness uh, so that people who work in the area and live in the area will know that this is this was a very important Jewish site, one of the most important sites in Jewish American history. Yeah, and you, I think you've talked about this before, but it's kind of ironic. I mean, uh, you, you worked in that area. Uh, you're from a Jewish family, and other uh, Jews who work there in the more modern day just had no no idea of this uh, was there. Yeah, I think that's true. I certainly worked a block away at... Uh, 125 Broad Street for a firm called Hertzfeld and Rubin for 17 years, where there were many people who were more religious than me. And 
although they might have known a lot more about uh, Jewish or studied more Jewish religion, my sense was that these weren't taught in the schools or weren't taught in the yeshivas to the extent they should be or, or aren't taught in schools generally. So I, I think that uh, hopefully this will help and we'll uh, do it, uh, you know, obviously overnight, educate everybody. Right. But, uh, well, James Kaplan, pleasure talking with you. Keep up your uh, good work. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you very much, Bob. And you keep up your good work, which I think is, is a fantastic resource. Right. Well, thank you. James uh, Kaplan, a founder, uh, or one of the founders and president of the Lower Manhattan Historical Association. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. <laughs>